You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 1 to 14, and we're going to be talking about the fact that God's discipline is proof of His love. But before we take a look at this portion of Scripture, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. First off, I want to just invite you over to our website, DesireJesus.com. We have a lot of resources and blog content and links to our sister podcast, the uh, Chapter a Day Audio Bible. That's all at DesireJesus.com. And thank you to those of you who sent us a note this week or let us know that you listen to the podcast. It's always nice to hear from you. You noticed probably that last week, week was a best of episode. And several times a year, I incorporate a best of episode in our show schedule, because what that means is I'm away that week, sometimes taking a break with my family. Other times it means I'm speaking for an event. And uh, this past week, I was speaking for a church in Brooklyn. We were talking about the concept of discipleship. And I had an enjoyable time spending time with them, so I was away for a little bit. But I'm back now, and it's good to be back with everybody. And just as I said a few moments ago, today we're looking at the idea of God's discipline and the fact that His discipline is proof of His love. Now, in just a few moments, we're going to be looking at some of the verses from Jeremiah chapter 25. But before we do, let me have a word of prayer for us. Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you for the privilege to be able to look at it together and study it together and meditate on its content and grow from it. And we pray, Lord, that as we discuss this idea of discipline, as we look at Scripture that relates to your discipline, and as we learn a little bit more about the fact that your discipline is actually proof of your love, we pray, Lord, that we would grow in our relationship with you. We pray that our walk with you would be strengthened. And we pray that by your grace that you would give us the wisdom that we need to navigate life day by day. We thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when you hear the word discipline, what thoughts come to your mind? Do you think about the concept of practicing personal disciplines like eating healthy foods and getting exercise and things of that nature? Or do you think about incorporating the spiritual disciplines of prayer and the reading of Scripture into your daily routine? Or do you primarily associate the word discipline with the word punishment? When you were a child, it's likely that you didn't get too excited about your parents disciplining you. And likewise, if you're a parent, I can just about guarantee that some of the most unpleasant moments of your experience with raising children has involved discipline. But the truth is, when you're seeking to shepherd a young life, the enforcement of discipline is actually evidence of love. And that's something that we see playing out here in Jeremiah chapter 25. The Lord loved the people of Judah, but because of their lack of faith and their stubborn disobedience, he disciplined them with the long-term goal that his act of discipline would convince them of his love and encourage them to repent. Let me read the first few verses of Jeremiah chapter 25. I'm going to read verse 1 down to verse 7, and this is what it says in this portion of Scripture. 
The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For twenty-three years, from the thirteenth year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. You have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants, the prophets, saying, Turn now, every one of you, from his evil way and evil deeds, and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from of old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them, or provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. Then I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. It's a powerful portion of Scripture, and one of the things that we learn when we look through the Scriptures, including this one, is that a loving God disciplines his children when they don't listen to his counsel. Growing up, I had a good friend that I actually used to spend quite a quite a lot of time with. I used to go over his house several times each week. We would wander the streets of our town together. We would regularly get in trouble together as young people. And as we got older, I noticed something curious about how his parents responded to his behavior. It seemed to me that they let him get away with just about everything. And as a result, the nature of the trouble he got into escalated. I also noticed that the way he interacted with others displayed a high degree of insecurity. In time, I became convinced that his insecurity was tied to the lack of boundaries in his life. His parents' lenience in regard to disciplining him may have actually had the unintended effect of making him feel unloved. Now, God loves his children too much to allow them to continue to ignore his counsel. In this portion of Scripture, we're told that at this point, Jeremiah had been preaching to the people of Judah for 23 years. And interestingly, he wasn't the only prophet that the Lord had sent to these people to instruct them. But the people stubbornly refused to listen. They went their own way. They embraced idols and worshipped false gods. They devoted the work of their hands to rebellion against the Lord and their lack of faith produced widespread disobedience. How does a loving God respond to something like this taking place in the lives of those that he has set apart as his own? It's true that the Lord is patient, and it's also true that humanity seems adept at testing his patience in every way possible. But just as the Lord is patient and kind, he is also perfectly just and loving. It grieves his heart to see people who could enjoy the blessings and benefits of walking closely with him, choosing to go their own way and rejecting his involvement in their lives. Knowing that this situation wasn't going to improve on its own, the Lord intervened with some loving and some uncomfortable discipline. I like what we're told in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. It says this, Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent 
to discipline him. That's what the Scripture tells us about parenting among humans, and it's a principle that we see lived out in the way God interacts with his children as well. How adept are we at listening to God's voice? How long has he been trying to get our attention? How far have we attempted to stretch his patience? Has he shown us patience for so long that instead of listening to him when he speaks, we've grown complacent with his grace? When Jesus called us unto himself, he told us that his desire for us was that we would listen to and joyfully obey his teaching. That's his will for his disciples. In fact, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus said this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus wants his disciples to obey what he has commanded us. Jesus desires that we practice his instruction in our day-to-day living, and he reminds us that he is present with us to empower us and to keep our consciences sensitive to the reality that when we sin against him, we aren't sinning against someone who is distant and remote. We're sinning against someone who is right here in our presence watching over our lives. A loving God disciplines his children when they don't listen to his counsel. Something else that we find out in chapter 5 of Jeremiah is found in verses 8 to 10, where it reveals to us that by nature, discipline does not feel pleasant. Look at what it says starting in verse 8. It says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants, and against all these surrounding nations. I will devote them to destruction, and make them a horror, a hissing, and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will banish from them the voice of mirth, and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, the grinding of the millstones, and the light of the lamp. Through Jeremiah, the people were being told that life as they knew it was about to change drastically. They were about to experience the direct discipline of the Lord, and it wasn't going to feel pleasant. The truth is, by nature, discipline doesn't feel pleasant. It jostles us out of the unhealthy patterns or the unhealthy routines that we've adopted, and it forces us to walk in a new direction. Now, during the course of every year, there are certain milestones we've become accustomed to. There are various holidays we celebrate. There are specific times of year when we intentionally get together with our families or our close friends. We attend weddings and other celebrations. In fact, just the other day, I was talking to my sisters about the next time that we intend to get our families together. And in just a month or so, we plan on having kind of a a big gathering with our families. And at these times of celebration, what do we do? Well, we enjoy food, we enjoy conversation, we take pictures, we tell jokes, and we probably maybe make a little too much noise, but it's nice, and it's a welcomed break to our typical routine. Imagine, however, if all of this was taken away from us. 
That's what the Lord was telling the people of Judah to expect. That's what he was revealing to them was about to become their reality. He was about to use foreigners as his instrument of correction upon this group of people. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was going to be brought against the people. He would invade the land. He would make its leaders and people subject to him. And he would take many of the people back to Babylon as captives. For the people of Judah, the sounds of wedding celebrations and conversational joy and grinding their grain in freedom, these things would all be replaced by a season of darkness and a season of gloom. They had abused their freedom and would now effectively become slaves. Understandingly, this would have been devastating for the people living at the time, but God is sovereign and he was still at work among them. This discipline wouldn't feel pleasant, but it would serve its divinely ordained purpose. Remember what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says this, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It's a beautiful portion of Scripture and a powerful truth to be reminded of. Which do you think you would prefer, for God to discipline your life or for God to ignore you? As uncomfortable as discipline certainly is, it has a purpose. The Lord uses it to strip away our idols of distraction. He uses it to foster the fruit of Christ-like righteousness in our lives. In fact, the discipline of the Lord is a protective force in our lives that is often intended to preserve our lives. The Lord loves us enough to discipline us, and as our walk with Christ matures, we're likely to notice a pattern at work within us we're likely to notice the harmful presence of sin in our lives before we give it a foothold. And as we do so, we're also likely to confess it to the Lord and joyfully repent of it before it becomes necessary for Him to intervene with uncomfortable discipline. But again, this scripture reminds us that by nature, discipline doesn't feel pleasant, yet it does produce righteousness. And there's one other thing that I want to point out today from Jeremiah 25, and it's found in verses 11 through 14, and it reveals to us in this portion of Scripture that God's discipline only lasts for a season. Look at what it says in verse 11 down to verse 14. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Then, after seventy years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. I will bring upon that land all the words that I have uttered against it, everything written in this book which Jeremiah prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings shall make slaves even of them, and I will recompense them according to their deeds and the work of their hands. So this portion of Scripture references a time span of 70 years. What do you think about a period of time like that? Does 70 years sound like a long period of time or a short period of time to you? If you're a homeowner, 
right? If you own a home and you were told that the roof on your house was guaranteed to last for 70 years, would you consider that good or bad? Or how about this? If you were told that you were going to live to be 70, would that seem too long or too short? Or if you were told that you were going to prison for 70 years, would that sound like a long period of time or a short period of time? Well, the people of Judah were told that they were about to spend 70 years living as captives in Babylon. Now, I don't know if they believed this information when they first heard it, because it seems that they had a tendency of ignoring and questioning Jeremiah's preaching. But nonetheless, that was exactly what happened to them. For 70 years, they lived as captives in Babylon. Now, there's multiple ways to look at something like this. In one sense, it seems tragic. In another sense, it seems punitive. And in another sense, it seems merciful. This generation of people embraced idolatry, they stopped listening to the Lord, and they modeled their lack of faith to their children. And now the Lord was going to take them out of their land for seven decades. And in that time, this generation would die off, and the idols that they worshipped would be stripped from them. Well, the good news is that just as is the case with our earthly fathers, the discipline from our heavenly father only lasts for a season. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 speaks of discipline from the perspective of it being just for a season, and it says this, For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. Discipline only lasts for a season. Once the time of exile was complete, the Lord allowed the children and grandchildren of this generation to return to Judah, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild Jerusalem, to rediscover his word. And we know from Scripture that a spiritual revival broke out among them. They were hurt for a season, but later experienced healing and great restoration. Just like Job chapter 5 tells us, it says in verses 17 and 18, Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. Therefore despise not the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he binds up. He shatters, but his hands heal. Future generations of the people of Judah experienced that healing. I'm friends with a man who is a relatively new pastor. And the church he began serving, it died years ago, but apparently no one told the 17 people that were left. The church was unspiritual, the church was ineffective, and it had no meaningful witness in the community in which it's located. And if you ask this church if its best days were ahead of it or behind it, they would have said behind. And it seemed like the Lord's presence and the Lord's blessing had left that church a long time ago, and now they were simply just wasting away, waiting for the last church member to finally lock the doors. And the new pastor told me that he wasn't necessarily convinced that the people that were left were even believers in Jesus Christ. Now, over this past year, he's been waking up at 3 a.m. many mornings, and he said he believes that the Lord's been waking him up at that time to pray. 
And so what he does is he walks across the street to the church, and he prays in the building, and then he comes home and he goes back to bed. And recently, another man from the church who learned of this has also started to join him for prayer, sometimes. And the pastor said that he also had to lovingly confront some areas of sin that were rampant in that church. So he did that as well. He's been very faithful to his tasks. But I saw him the other day, and he told me that in the past few months, the congregation has more than doubled in size. And he said, a revival of faith has been developing within the congregation as the Lord has been jostling people out of their unspiritual funk. If you've ever experienced a season of the Lord's discipline, what were your impressions of it? Were you able to see it as evidence of his love, or did you despise him for interrupting your comfort? Looking back on it now, Can you thank him for blessing you with his intervention and his care? For many of us, we can testify to the fact that a season of divine discipline was precisely what convinced our hearts that we truly need Jesus. We need his power, we need his comfort, and we need his presence just as much today as we ever did. And sometimes it takes a jolt or a God-ordained season of pruning to help us recognize that truth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at it together today as we just think about this idea of discipline being evidence of your love. And Lord, we're grateful for the ways that you've shown us your love. We know that we don't deserve your love, and we don't deserve your goodness. We don't deserve your blessings or really anything good from you. But yet you showed us mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and took the wrath that we deserved upon himself as he paid for our sin on the cross. And now through Jesus Christ, who has risen from the dead, We experience salvation. We experience hope as we trust in him. Thank you, Lord, for using your discipline to remind us of this fact. Thank you, Lord, for jostling us in different ways that were uncomfortable, but yet produced righteousness in our lives as you showed us various things that needed to be removed from our day-to-day living. Lord, help us to be focused on you. Help us to walk with you. And we thank you, Lord, for the fact that you intervene in our day-to-day existence, that you don't just leave us to our own devices or our own lack of wisdom, but that you bless us with your wisdom, your power, and your presence, and you walk with us faithfully each and every day. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we'd invite you to stop by our website, desirejesus.com. You'll find a variety of resources and books and helpful blog posts and also links to our other podcast. And uh, we hope that you'll stop by, and when you do, we hope that you'll sometimes drop us a line, send us a message, let us know that you're listening, and uh, it's always an encouragement to be able to hear from listeners during the course of the week. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care.
Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.